Every now and then, somebody need to hear that today. If you're broke, you can just say, he is God. If you're sick, you can say, he is God. If you're frustrated with your children, hallelujah, he is God. If you're frustrated with your job, guess what you can say? If you studied all you knew how to study, and you still got the grades you didn't want to get, guess what you can say? If you ain't found your spouse yet, guess what you can say? If somebody that you could have gotten with, you didn't get with, guess what you're supposed to say? Hey, I'm just telling you, he is. He, <laughs> he is, he is, he is. Lord, have mercy. Anyway, ain't you glad that some stuff you were trying to make work that God didn't let what you wanted to work out work out like you wanted to work out? I love that. I love, I love the, the greatness of God that every now and then he will make particular pauses in our life to remind us that he's God. Amen. So we honor him and thank him for um, those great opportunities um, to be reminded that he is God no matter what we're going through, what phase of life we're in. Before we get started today, just a few things. Um, how many excited about the job fair? Job fair, amen. And, and what's, what's um, important about that is um, that actually came out of a partnership that's beginning, thank you, that's beginning with, uh, oh, don't have it, uh, that's beginning with Temple University, uh, which has been wonderful um, in, in its beginning stages right now. Um, Vice President and the Community Liaison wanted to meet with me and to talk through some things in which um, they wanted to see how they could partner with Epiphany Fellowship in helping impact our city and our neighborhood. And so if you could just keep those things, we'll talk about a couple of, maybe one or two things that's in the works, but really, really excited about that. And one of the things that we wanted, I mean, they leveraged their influence with businesses to help us to get businesses in the um, city that actually had jobs. You know, we ain't need nobody showing somebody a job. You know, how many of y'all go to a, a job fair to go window shopping? Oh, that's a nice looking job right there, right? <laughs> that's not why we go to job fairs. We go to job fairs to get a job. So my request was that we're gonna partner, in, which I would love to do. Can we make sure that there are actual jobs that they have that they're willing to give on hand? And um, my staff work with Ms. Pam and the team, they work with them and now we're, we're excited to be able to get this moving forward. And we're gonna do these hopefully every six months. And so several times a year, um, we'll be doing these and <clears throat> just trying to help and serve our city and our neighborhood with actual jobs, and it'll be great. More and more we see the compatibility, the needs, and what training is needed. Maybe we can come alongside people in those ways to make sure they have the necessary job skills that help them to be more uh, marketable and hireable. Um, um, and uh, just a, a frequency conference. How many of y'all going? Frequency, 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 frequency conference. All right, so I'm excited about that as an opportunity this week. And uh, if you haven't registered yet, Please register. I have a couple of scholarships. An anonymous donor from this church gave some money so that whoever could not afford Amen. to go could go. Not, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're going to reallocate some money now that you was going to register. No, we want to make sure that you, uh, that, that, that you actually have a need, not agreed, and we want to be able to serve you and being able to come to this conference. I think it's going to be a great time. Got a, lot, a great lineup and can't wait to see what the great God is going to do through it. And our Christmas store, I want to emphasize that again. Give 
to that, please. Get, uh, go grab something. I know you haven't gone gift shopping yet because, you know, some of us do the Black Friday thing. I don't fool with it. But um, if you could grab some gifts before then so that we can allocate what we, so we can have, start putting our gifts together. And we, um, Pastor Kurt leads us in helping those get categorized. And the sooner we can get those categorized and more gifts in, then we can um, open up the store hopefully sooner and get those things done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Turn to Isaiah 58. We're going to be in verses 6 through 12. This is our last sermon in our, in our series on race justice um, and the gospel, race justice and the gospel. And so uh, let's, let's, let's go ahead and dive in. I'll start with you. You keep going. Here we go. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Keep going. Amen. Amen. Um, the final message in our series, I'd like to call this, What Next? What Next? What do we do next? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you have <clears throat> given us grace through Christ to be able to focus in and zoom in on uh, what's needed. Uh, but before that, you've done work in our lives and you've worked by saving us and helping us to meet Christ as Savior. And finding out as we grow and develop in Christ that being a believer means that you have anointed us and appointed us with purpose. And God, I pray in the mighty name of Christ that you would give us clarity to be able to focus and have a clarity about what you want us to do, how you want us to do it, and executing your loving grace that is partnered with the beautiful communication of your word, uh, but then also the practice of your word that's in concert with it to see lives comprehensively changed and noticeably redeemed. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, 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 amen. Uh, about uh, 04 or 05, we did a visit over here uh, prior to starting Epiphany Fellowship in, in this area of North Philly. Originally, <clears throat> many people don't know, most people don't know, even people that's been with us for a while uh, didn't, may not know this, but Epiphany Fellowship actually 
was going to be located at uh, 22nd and Ridge Avenue, uh, right up the street from here. And um, it was actually a website that pointed me towards there uh, called NorthPhilly.com. And, uh, and I don't know where that website is to this day. Um, when I moved, I tried to find that website, but I think the Lord used it as one of the baiting mechanisms to get us here. Uh, but I, I, I have not seen that website again. <laughs> but th they were talking about a lot of redevelopment that was going to happen in the Ridge Avenue corridor and all different types of work that was going to happen. So during that period, we said, hey, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be not gentrification, but it's going to be indigenous indigenous, meaning people that are from that particular place. It's going to be transformation that's handed into their hands where we're decade in and that hasn't happened. But what we have done, what we did do during that period of time is we, we began to, we, we put out a video camera, that's before uh, phones was video recording, you had to have a joint slide your hand up in and hold it out like that, and that's all you had, and the picture would look w good in this part, and then when you look at that, it looks horrible right here. And so um, we, we're videoing people, we went to barber shops, we went to beauty salons, we went to nonprofits, educational entities, one of them was the Byron Story Foundation, and we sat down with them, and we sat down uh, with Juanita Story Jones and different ones, and we began to, her son got shot in the neighborhood, so the mayor and the president gave her a huge grant to start an educational entity in the neighborhood. So we gathered her staff and different ones from the neighborhood as we went to different places and asked three questions. We asked, number one, what are the three greatest needs in the neighborhood? What are the three greatest influences? And what are the churches in the neighborhood that you know of doing to put a dent in those three great needs? And as you can imagine, uh, the type of ferocity of their anger and their angry disposition towards them, sort of saying the church hasn't been doing anything to sort of galvanize what's needed to even help with that particular idea. And one of the things that we wanted to do is not come in as the, as the, as the highfalutin church that's going to change the world, but we wanted to come in hopefully as humble missionaries partnering with people in this city and in this neighborhood to communicate the gospel, to see lives transformed from the inside out. However, and then with that same gospel that justifies us, that same gospel that sanctifies us, that same gospel that justifies us can change our economic status. Amen. Not prosperity is what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the Bible does speak to our economic status. It speaks to the, the, the difficulty of political structures. Um, it, it, it speaks to and challenges education. All of these different things we need to believe. You got to believe that the gospel speaks to that. And where we got that from was Colossians chapter 1, where the Bible talks about that Jesus Christ is reconciling all things to himself. In other words, there is an ultimate kingdom that's coming. However, the believers in Christ are practical announcers of God's kingdom all day by which we live our lives and reflect his glory in such a way where we want to peddle and, and, and prop up the glory and beauty of who Christ is to our world. And as we do that and as we see that, we want to see one of the things that we dream about. And when you go through Covenant Community, we tell you about that we want to see lives noticeably redeemed on a street level. That, that, that means that when you come to Christ, we want every single thing in your life to be shaken up. Yeah, I, I, see, see, many of us think of salvation in the sense of, oh, I'm a believer now. I have fire insurance. But God saved you to shake you up and shake everybody else up. In other words, your difference is supposed to show that there is a difference available. And so that's why the church came here. And I believe that's why Isaiah wrote here in this passage 
what he's writing to us. He's, he wrote this over a thousand years, ago, well, well over 3,000, man, man 2,500 years ago or so, he wrote this. But it's interesting that his prophecy spans hundreds of years. His prophecies were so accurate, not that the other prophets in the Bible's prophecies weren't accurate, but his prophecies are so accurate and way past his time period um, to the point where they thought two people had to write this book. But, but, but they didn't realize that there's a God who sits outside of time and inside of time that looks at all time, even though he's outside of time and doesn't submit to time. He picks a person that's in time while he's looking at another point in time that's coming after the time that the person that he picks to be a prophet. And while he's looking at that time, he speaks by spirit to that person about a time that he's looking at, but the prophet can't see, tells it to people who can't see, and they believe it from generation to generation until what the prophet said from the God who sits outside of time, looking in the time, talking to the prophet comes to pass. And so, and, so, and so we come to this passage. We, this is the hyper, these are, I, I call these passages hyper-messianic. And when, when you get to Isaiah 40, it's almost like uh, Isaiah starts hooping. He starts closing right there. He just starts closing and he says, oh, water comes down and rain may fall, but the word of God shall never pass Again, and then you go here, and then you say, they that wait upon the Lord. He's just, he just going through. I say, they bruise for iniquity. You just go through. You're like, come on, Isaiah. You better say that thing, dog. Come on, Isaiah. And Isaiah gets to Isaiah 58, and he gives us sort of a, he sort of gives us a solemnness about us being excited about spiritual renewal without global transformation. And what he begins to do in this passage is he begins challenging those in Israel with privilege to leverage their privilege. And he gives them very, very practical ways to leverage their privilege, to leverage their resources for those who they either indirectly allow to be put in bad positions or those who they directly apply their privilege to to force these people into bad situations. And so when we come to this passage, he begins talking about fasting. Now you would think that this passage is going to be about um, God giving a breakthrough because you stop eating a meal. But you're going to see that in this passage that not, not eating a meal is not the center of what fasting looks like. When you look at this passage, you see an expansive mindset by which the prophet gives us in a powerful way, which brings us to our one and only point. If we're going to know what's next in our last installment of this series, Race, Justice, and the Gospel, one point, one point only. Dealing with our systemic issues helps us to deal with the world's systemic issues. Our issues helps other people deal with their issues. You can't try to help somebody with their issues if you don't deal with your issues. Now, 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 now what, what I like about what Isaiah does is he challenges them because all they were focused on was their own spiritual formation. Look at verse 5. He says, Is it such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Humble himself. A day for a person, uh, is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast? an acceptable day to the Lord. And so he's challenging their fast that it would hit their heart. He's sick of fasts that only have sackcloth and ashes. 
He's sick of fasts that has good worship music. He's sick of fasts that have people putting on the appearance of brokenness, but they're really not broken at all. In, 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 in other words, most of us, when we do solemn assembly the first part of the year, want break. We, we believe in God for a breakthrough for us. In all of our lives, we, we, we built our lives around me, the meisms of the faith. But when you look at the passage, God expands that. Look what he says next. He said, it's not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke. I like that. Now, now, now what, what is he saying here? The word loose here is an interesting term. It means to manually remove an animal from being tied up for your benefit. In other words, when, when, when they would, like if you look at the old Westerns, they would, t- maybe somebody watched the Western in here or something, um, you know, but um, they, would take the, they would take the animal and they would tie the animal to the wood outside of the saloon. They would go, that's how you parked your car back then, you know what I'm saying? And so they would tie it. And so what Isaiah is calling God's people to participate in is untying where you've mobilized someone like an animal. <coughs> God is calling us as a people the people of God to begin utilizing our commitment to Jesus Christ and the power that he's given us in the gospel to begin unloosening different areas of people's brokenness and people's existence. How is God calling you to loose people and loose opportunities so that those who are tied and mobilized by broken systems of racism, and racism does exist, do I have to go through a soliloquy to help us to recognize that racism still exists? Do I have to do that this morning? I shouldn't have to do a soliloquy and a pericope and a, a preamble to let us know that racism still exists. Now we should be at the point where we're beginning to deal with the systemic racism of everything that's happened to put things up to this point. But not only does he say <laughs> loose, not only does he say loose the bonds of wickedness, he says undo the straps of the yoke. Now, what I like about this <laughs> is he tells him to do it both at its external and its internal. Check out what he says. What he wants them to do is, he says, don't just unstrap. What they do is they unstrap the animal. He says, but there's still a bit in their mouth. And with a bit in their mouth, they can still be controlled eventually. And so what you have to do is the word here uh, for, for, for undo is, is an intensive word in the Hebrew, which means to destroy or to smash or to shatter. In other words, don't just untie them. Smash the thing that's holding them in your care, holding them in your And so, and so what, 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 what I want us to think about is the impact, is the deep impact that uh, slavery, Jim Crow, and segregation has had on our country. Now, some people would say it has no impact on what's going on today. Okay, I, I, you know, um, I'll give you a reading list, but let's just do something real simple and practical. You have people who were stolen from their country, which 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 says is against God's law. They were kidnapped, brought in a middle passage. Millions of them died on the way. They were defecating on each other and were being raped coming across the middle passage. Then they get here, they're strapped up and looked at based on their level of value or lack of value and placed in different systems. Then they were chained and walked manually. They weren't carried, they walked manually, most nude or with barely any clothing to various parts of the South in a few places in the North and the Midwest. Then once you got them there, you had to take them through a breaking system 
Once you take them through the braking system, you had to break them down for wanting to run away. You had to make them comfortable with being in the system of slavery. Then they go through the system of slavery. They weren't allowed to marry, but some were allowed to marry. But those who were allowed to have children, the families were broken up. The husband, if he got too uh, big on himself, the slave master would stand off in a distance and accost his wife or would-be woman in front of him to exert his dominance upon him, above him, during that time. If he ran away, um, he would have his leg, a part of it, amputated and brought back and worked. Or if he was a big strapping man, like that dude up in Green Mile, what he would be used as, he would be what's called a breeder. So they would take him like a best kind of dog you can find, and if you're a dog breeder, you would breed the dog, and that animal would have way more value to it because of its ability to reproduce strong of its kind. Then years and years go past, but some people say slavery wasn't that bad, but you know, then it keeps going. Then you have an Emancipation Proclamation and let them go. Hold on, did you understand what just happened? You got a bunch of people let out of the worst system you could ever think of without counseling. So they have post-traumatic stress, the, the, the development or lack of development of who they are, and they're just left to that. And so now, somehow, by osmosis, they're supposed to learn how to function in the midst of having all of those things stripped from them. And so what happens is, is you have a generational challenges that have happened, particularly in African-American communities, that are going to need and still level, there's still levels of fatherlessness that's connected to Jim Crow. There's still levels of fatherlessness that's connected to, guess what, slavery. Now, somebody was saying in their mind, well, why are you blaming a dude leaving his child on Jim Crow and slavery? No, nah, God's going to give him, an, he's going to have to give an account to God about how he did that. But then those who did that to him are going to have to give an account for the systemic things they put in place for him to be destroyed as he was. And so the question, though, on the floor for us, as we work through all of these different issues and work through all of these different things, is how do we begin to, as a ministry, as a church, begin to work through people getting loose and people getting undone from the bondage that they're in? How do we work with the single moms to strengthen them and them getting undone in what they did? Well, she shouldn't have did this or she shouldn't have did that. Man, be quiet. We're going to help people where they are, just like your behind got help where you were. How are we going to help these fathers? How are we going to help the 90% single parent rate in our neighborhood? Are we going to use that for a statistic to raise money? Or are we going to transform that through the power of the gospel to destroy the yoke that has contained gentlemen and bring God's grace back into that so that lives can be transformed and changed and delivered? Children that are in broken educational systems. How do we serve all of this stuff with the might and power of the gospel? Are we just going to get ours? Are we just going to move forward? No, God God said, the fast that I desire is for you to fast from taking care of yourself. That's the fast that God desires. That's what this text is saying. I don't know which Bible you're reading, family, but in this passage, God is pushing us to be from being me-centered, from being church-centered. And when I say church-centered, I'm not talking about the church that God created. I'm talking about the one we create. So he says, loose the bonds of wickedness. Then he says, right after that, he says, undo the straps of the yoke. He says, to let the oppressed go free. 
and break every yoke. I like the fact that he says every one of them. That means that we have to be comprehensive in our commitment to engage people comprehensively with the gospel. (laughs) See, in certain places where there's financial privilege, center city, suburbs, certain types of rural areas, you can just afford to talk about the, the Bible's transformation of your soul. Because that's all you can talk about. Because everybody is in a position of economic development that doesn't mean they necessarily need economic development. But when you have people with comprehensive issues, they need a comprehensive gospel. It's just people in other contexts can hi- use resources to hide their need for the comprehensive gospel. Around here is where it's on the nakedness of the need for a comprehensive gospel is always in front of us. Everywhere we look, when we look, when I talk to some of the teachers here, I'm appalled with the challenges that they have to do with. It is impossible to educate 35 elementary school kids in one classroom. Who does that? Who, with no teacher's aid, with not a full book budget. Juwan Jokunjufu says that there was a conspiracy to destroy black boys. He said, if you destroy their, their ability and commitment to learn by four years old, you got them. And so, and so, and so what, 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 what are we going to do to get in? And the Bible talks about this really in Ephesians 6. If you really want to do, see, most of us think of spiritual warfare. We think about, well, I'm going to, it's a demon in my house and I can feel his presence. Can, 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 I'm going to rebuke the devil. And that's it. That's real. I've had that happen to me. All right. We've had spiritual warfare. Real spiritual warfare, listen to what the pastor says. It, it talks about the fact that there are principalities and powers not in your house. In the high places. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. In other words, if you, if you do a study of the Old Testament, one day I'm going to do a, 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 a message, I mean, a group of messages called Angels uh, and Demons. But systemically, there are demonic systems that are set up by the devil that utilizes human beings as pawns for his systemic evil to ravage neighborhoods like this. And if we don't get Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, blood bought people into those systems, get your education, but you better learn how to get educated on your knees. You better learn how to bind and loose. Oh, y'all gonna look at me funny. That ain't just for the care. You need to be able to go up in the school as a superintendent before school starts. Ain't nobody in there. And you unlock that joint and you get a couple of y'all in there and y'all go in there and y'all walk with some oil through the school and you say, and you begin to speak in the Holy Ghost and then you begin to pray and ask God to bring some change. Start laying hands on chairs and asking God to change lives. And then you go back to your office and work on legislation to change it both physically and spiritually. We need field educators. We need people praying for teachers that they won't quit. That they won't say, I can, you know what? I can go make 80,000 starting over here, but my heart is over here. I, I want to see, I, I, I want to see God began to break down the demonic realm. And you got to put on the whole armor of God to be a missionary. I want to see business owners 
say, I'm, how do I leverage my business philosophies? And all I want to do, all I hear somebody talk about, I want my brand is this, and my brand is that, and we up to this, and we up to that, and we trying to brand. Forget about all of that. Listen, how does your brand ultimately bless God? Oh, it got real quiet on that part. In, 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 other, in, other, in other words, your brand about what God wants to do through you ain't about you. Uh, see, see, we're here to loose and untie straps and let the oppressed go free. What's your plan to use your resources that God's going to give you? Because God's going to make some of you have decent amount of resources. Some of you are going to come wealthy. Some of you are going to be basic middle class. Some of you are going to be working class. And every single level has to use those things to let somebody free. How are you going to use your resources to let somebody free? How? How? If you don't have even the world, even like if you look at coffee companies, even they're starting f- fair trade systems. Even, I mean, the world knows better about social justice than the church. And God gave it to us first. And the church gave it over to the nation of Islam in the early 1900s. That's a whole nother sermon. But look at what he says. He says, and they didn't do anything with it. Farrakhan just be doing a bunch of talking anyway. That's for free. He do a bunch of talking, but the nation of Islam hasn't done anything to transform black communities. That's for free. Name one thing. You fried some fish and sold some bean pies. But then you're always talking about what the church isn't doing, but we were the, the church was the ones that helped black folk get out of slavery. That's a whole nother issue. Where was you at? Asalaamu Alaikum in somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> verse 7. Talking about the black preaching, you ain't done nothing for nobody. Help me today. Help me today. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so sick of people dogging the church and don't know the history. People are like, you don't know the history. I know the history. Where was you at? One million man march. What's happened still? 20 year anniversary. What's happened? Our neighborhood's gotten worse. We don't need a million man march. We need a million people changed. Help me today, God, the Tourette's. Verse 7. <laughs> Whew. Nervous bug. Verse 7. Um, now, as soon as someone gets free, they need help. <laughs> Look at what the verse says. This is, this is masterfully written. Look at what he says next. <clears throat> see, you can't just, see, Ronald Reagan let out, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. But um, Ronald Reagan, I live in D.C. when this happened, let out 100,000 people from St. Elizabeth, which is a mental institute, and they were just all homeless in D.C. No plan. Now look at what this says here. Y'all got real quiet on that part. Y'all say, Pastor, getting political. Now I'm just telling you the truth and pointing you to the Bible. Look at verse 7. He said, is, not, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? He says, so if you're going to let people go, the reason why you let them go is to share what you have with them. <laughs> so soon as somebody gets free, the first thing you have to do is have handout ministry. Now, some of y'all looking at me, I don't want to give a handout. What the, they, they don't have any qualifications to do anything. So the first thing they need is basic research. Look at what it says. I'm just reading the Bible. It says, first thing they need, food, hungry, a house, and the next, clothing. Food, housing, covering. 
<laughs> so we have to figure out ways. See, y'all got to understand. See, that's why I told y'all last week I didn't want to do ministry in this neighborhood or anywhere else in the neighborhood like this because I knew what happened to me. So I'm driving. I'm minding my business driving the neighborhood, just prayer driving. Go up to Allegheny, bus this right, coming down south on Broad, bus this right. I see this apartment building. It's like seven stories in good condition. Parking spaces all under it. And see, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not a developer. I'm a pastor. I'm not saying, well, I can make, I can transform this neighborhood and make this into condominiums and sell that and boom, and then we can flip that. No, that's not, I'm not a developer. I'm thinking about, man, how can we create transitional housing for single moms and families so we can get them a hand up and we can get these 20 to 30 rooms and then have Bible study. Then I can hire like an older couple to like be the den mother and father of the empty nesters to live in there and they just shepherd the people as they go through for six months. And then at the church, we get the first floor done. Then boom, we get the first floor done. Then we break this room up, turn it into social justice ministry up in here. Then we have some lecture halls. Boom. Then they're able to come here. Boom. Get training. Boom. Job fair. Boom. We connect them with this. Boom. They got housing. Boom. After six months, they can get out. Boom. They on their own. Boom. Then we can go get some more people. Boom. Put them through. And so we can have through 30 people, 30 families every six months until the, I mean, and then we can find other property. And we can find other partnerships. And then the college students that come to Philly, some of them end up staying. And then they get jobs and create businesses. And then people in the neighborhood, they get businesses and they develop. And then they start giving. And then the church budget goes up real, real high. And then we just real, real happy. Hallelujah. And then we don't just plant churches, but then we also get to the neighborhood. We get these opportunities and we empower people. Lives are transformed. Get a tractor trailer. Get a bunch of food in it for the relief ministry. I mean, boom. We just got, I mean, I'm just trying to understand does anybody want to change your life? going to do? What are we going to do? What's next? What's next, Epiphany? Are we just here to have church? Are we just here to get a word? Are we just here to just sing some songs? All of those things are important, but I want the fingerprint of Christ to be on this neighborhood. I want his feet. I'm not going to be satisfied until I can smell the feet of Christ standing on top of North Philly. And his blood and the shrapnel and splinters from his cross is sprinkled throughout the neighborhood. I, 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 I can't take it no more. I can't take the condition of broken people anymore. I can't take the homelessness. I can't take uh, the broken single mom trying to make it. I, I can't take people having to squat in homes uh, until they make it. I can't take it for a guy that gets out of jail. They tell him to get a job, but he can't get a job because he has a doggone record, and you can't get his record expunged. So he goes back to jail, breaking his parole for a system that won't help him get a job job. Loose. <coughs> Loose. I'm sick of it. I can't stand it. And I need God to move. I need God to move. I'm tired of this brokenness and I'm begging God 
Is the church, are we getting this, like, I want us to be, like, on the same page. Like, we, we all got to, like, you can't just go through covenant community and, and you just, yeah, I'm a member, I got my sign, I'm going to post it on Instagram, and that's it. I, I, I can't. I, I, is it, I'm just asking y'all, is it possible to have a, a robust, on fire, serious church in every pew? Like everybody, everybody's on fire for God. Everybody's sickened about the brokenness of our world. Everybody believes the gospel. Everybody wants to see change happen. Everybody has their hands. Is it possible? Or we curse to be the 10% who do everything. Is it possible? And I've been praying for decades for God to just do it. And so some things started coming to fruition. <coughs> this meeting with Temple was interesting. And I was like, why the vice president want to meet with me? So I'm sitting across the table from him. And I said, Lord, I don't even know what this meeting is going to be about. You know, I've had a lot of meetings like this. What, what is this? What is this? And um, it's like, go. And I start praying. I said, God, can something come out of this? Um, he said, just be obedient and go. So I go to the meeting. I'm sitting in there and um, talking to the vice president. We talking through a bunch of things. He read Man Who Restored. I was like, wow. So we're talking. He said, what are you, what are you guys have an immediate need for. I said, well, to be honest, well, I named a bunch of things. You know me. <laughs> he asked the wrong dude. I was like, well, blah, I just. <laughs> and I'm, he picked one thing. He said, well, let's start with this. He said, a computer lab, done. I said, what? He told a community liaison, he says, buy all the computers for their computer lab. Send our tech over there, get the specs. What do you want to do computer lab? I said, well, <clears throat> what I like to do is I like to start this thing called bandwidth for youth and young adults. And what I'd like to see our church, our church, not me, but our church would like to do is <clears throat> we would like to do economic development using the computers. I'd like for kids to have other options versus the NBA, that's all they dream about, um, or rapping. So, <clears throat> so I'm like, I'm like, so I would love to teach them how to develop apps, teach them studio engineering, teach them uh, 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 infrastructure on how to build websites out. Matter of fact, forget about that. Help them to own the company that creates entities that help build out the websites. How, how, how about they start a company that helps app development or a company that owns a bunch of apps? And I'm just going and I'm saying, teach them this. He's just like, okay, we're going to get it. So this fall, that's going to happen. Then I, then I started running into these multi-millionaire guys. So I'm sitting at the table. I don't even know. My friend next to me said, he has a lot of money. Talk to him. And so I was like, <laughs> I was like well, you asked the wrong dude. Um, and so I'm talking to him, and God, God showed me. He said, he has more than money for you. And I said, okay. So I started talking to him. This guy, like, is my age, like, flipped. He's a multi, multi-millionaire. But he's flipped a lot of businesses, able to retire now not. I said, you know what, I, you know what I, he said, he said, E, what can I do, man? You know, da, da, da. So I said, you know what, can you come to North Philly? I'll bring you here for a weekend. You sit down with young African-American men and teach them 
how to, how to think business outside of neighborhood business? Can you teach them how to textile industry? I met one guy, he does, I mean, it's crazy. He does like flooring for like arenas. You know, and I'm saying, what, what did you think? And he, this other guy telling me about all these businesses. And I'm praying, I'm like, God, can you help the gospel to bring here a bigger mind? So I said, can you imagine if the church was the reason the neighborhood got changed? Wow. Not gentrification? Can you imagine if people didn't have to move in to change the economy, but the people in the neighborhood got a vision for their own neighborhood, and they began to flip the houses so that people in their neighborhood could reown houses again in the neighborhood. You don't know this, but right across the street from here, it was owned by all wealthy African Americans. No more. And why do I say all this, family? Because it's, it's 2.3 million African, I mean, people in prison, one million of them are African Americans. One million people in our prison system out of 2.3 million people from here to San Quentin is black, African American men. Not black, African American men. And so I, I, I'm, I'm praying, family, that we'll work on several things. We work on education, that we work on economic development, family, and that we work on housing. That's my prayer. And that if you have a skill, we don't even know how all of this is going to work out. Y'all, some of you have seen my presentation through uh, our Covenant Community class. But what I want you to do is I want you to tighten up on your gospel, understanding of the gospel. That's number one. Tighten up on your understanding of the gospel. Number two, I need some of you professionals who are doctors. There's a lot of female doctors in here. Dentists, um, business owners, different ones of you. I want you to, you, you probably don't even think much of where God has brought you from. But your testimony could expand somebody's mind and get them out the trap to change the trap. And so that's all I'm asking is for us to leverage it. If you're retired, give your life over to this. Can you imagine you having more fruit in your retirement than you had before you retired? Turn, your, turn the ship of your soul to the hood. Why don't you do that? That's my call today. Turn the ship of your life towards the block. Turn it toward, I'm not talking about being cool and sagging your pants and trying to put your, no, be you. They don't need that. They already got that. You don't need to try to be something. You, you come, if you business casual, you come around business casual because they need to see a vision of something different. And so let's, let's get at it, family. Will, are we willing to turn the ship of this just being a place where we come, which we're still going to come, but it being a place where this happens. Look at what it says, and I'm out your way. He says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer Look at verse 10. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. The Lord will be, will, will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. 
make your bones strong, and shall be like the watered garden, like the spring water, whose waters do not fail. Look at this. And the ancient ruins, ain't there ancient ruins around here? Shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the restorer of the breach, the restorer of the streets that people actually want to be in. That's what that means. So that's our prayer. As I close this prayer, I want you to stand and hold hands across aisles today. Um, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, maker of all things, maker of the universe, maker of the broken, maker of every human being, every life form in the universe. God, we come before you because we are desperate. Not desperate merely for ourselves, but desperate for gospel transformation to happen in this area. I'm not going to claim we know how all of that looks like. I don't. But I do know that it's needed desperately. And you can transform, some people can come in this neighborhood from the outside and just buy up all the property and ship all the people out, but you'll still have brokenness that's just been relocated. And God, I'm asking that you would place your feet on this city. But God, that you would particularly put your feet on North Philly. Will you put your feet on Duckery? Will you put your feet on William Dick? Will you put your feet on William Kelly, the high schools? Will you put your feet on Strawberry Mansion High School? That school is seen as one of the worst schools in the United States. God, will you, will we just stand and watch as people beg? Will we just stand and watch as men hang on the corner all day with no job? Will we complain about the crime? Will we complain about abortions? God, will we just complain about single parents? Will we just complain about rapes and domestic violence? Will we complain about hungry children? Will we just complain about what's wrong? Or will we look to you, God? Will we look to you and find strength in you? That's the only reason we're here. We're here for a purpose. And God, in many ways, we've lost it. In many ways, 
We just want a word. We just want good music. But nobody's life changed. We want to see God. Fathers baptizing their children. We want to see guys not just paying child support, but being a present support. We want to see single moms encouraged and have a village around them to help raise their children. God, we want to see development that's not just, and we're not against, you know, we love Temple, we love our students, but we don't just want houses built for student housing. We want to see families, families, actual families owning property, having a vested economic interest in this neighborhood. We want to see neighbors sharing the gospel. We want to see clean blocks without defecation and urine on it, without people feeling like this neighborhood is such the bottom of the barrel, I can just dump cement. I can just dump a bed or some trash on a lot. Nobody cares. God, bring hope back here. There's only one way it's going to be done. It's through the renewing power of the gospel. And we're praying that the might, you said in your word, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew and to the Greek. We're not ashamed of it. We're going to share that while we feed you. We're going to share the gospel while we teach you about jobs. We're going to share the gospel while you're in the computer lab. We're going to share the gospel while we're doing parent training. We're going to share the gospel during the basketball league. We're going to share the gospel during uh, economic development seminars. We're going to share the gospel during home buyer seminars. We want to share Jesus Christ and see lives transformed for the inside out and for people to look back over their life and to say, the reason why I'm where I am today has nothing to do but nobody but the Lord. <laughs> and may our brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, who are our brothers and sisters, may we all band together to see this not as a black issue but a gospel issue. And God, I pray that today there's some influential people in here that you're going to put in some positions. Will you help them not to forget you when they get to where you're taking them? Help them not to forget you. Help them not to forget you. Shake them up with unsettledness that something's wrong with this world, and just because I'm getting the good piece of it doesn't mean the world has been changed. But God, help us to always remember that this is not our home. And God, send us practical reminders of that and give us reasons to pray. God, we thank you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. 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 You may be seated.